Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey, especially for women who are rebuilding after abuse. I invite you to join us on Facebook if you are a lady at Held and Healed Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse. And I share thousands and thousands of resources, curate those resources, organize them into guides and and photo albums and topics and all kinds of goodness that is there because I myself am not an expert, but what I am is a resource gatherer and I am someone who connects needs to resources all day, every day. That's my joy. That's my passion. Three years ago, I had just started a journey by enrolling in the Give Her Wings Academy And I was there to become a certified abuse survivor advocate. And as I was gleaning from all of these amazing authors and writers and speakers and voices in the recovery world for especially DV survivors within faith communities, I was like, oh my goodness, there are so many women that need what I'm learning so many like faces of women that I knew, names of women that I knew were coming to mind. And I was like, I need a place to take the content, the things that I'm learning, introduce people to these amazing humans. And so I created this group and in a short, short time, it's grown to over 3,400 ladies. So please join us at Held and Healed. And if you know of someone who would benefit from this group, we only ask that you be safe and in a place of safety where someone else does not have access to your socials, to your devices, because it will put you in danger if this content is, you're getting notifications of the content. And so we just want you to be safe. So this is a rebuilding after you're out and you're on that healing journey. So I have learned to uh, respect the lane that God has called me to move in and to, um, to be in. And that is my part of the puzzle for survivors. So I want to invite you to a special event that we are hosting this um, September. And I have had in-person retreats here in Virginia the last two years, but because of my health um, challenges right now, and because of our speaker's recovery from a serious accident that has resulted in a TBI, we have decided that it is going to be wise and best for us and hopefully for the the retreat attendees to go online this year. So before you go and groan and say, oh, I'm so tired of online. Yes, we understand that. However, this is going to allow more women to participate because those who wouldn't be able to travel will be able to come to this and attend this and glean from it. It is going to eliminate the cost of a full registration. It's going to eliminate travel expenses and registration. What do we call it? Oh, you have to bear with me because my brain doesn't work the way it used to. I'm having a lot of issues right now with um, severe headaches, almost to the point of migraines. And when I go to like find words, they're not always there. So prayers appreciated. It's going to eliminate um, lodging costs. It's going to eliminate food costs. But here's the deal. I would still encourage you, challenge you to still make this a special weekend and do something even at home or gather with some friends, just make sure everybody's registered because there's a lot that's going to come and be available, but you have to be registered to get all the goodies and have, you know, 
You can bring in a massage therapist to do massages throughout the weekend, or you can do a spa, like nail and foot spa. Um, You could go out to dinner with some close friends. Um, Just still make this a retreat experience just in your own um, community. So this is going to be September 8th and 9th. And like I said, it's going to be online and you're going to have online, you're going to have video access long-term after it's over. So those of us who are coming out of trauma and abuse, a lot of times we can't retain everything that's coming at us. And trust me, when we're talking about Sarah McDougal giving content, like, you know, it's going to be like fire hose, right? So you're going to have the ability to go back later and rewatch those videos, which is not something we would have had with the online event. So, um, to honor the theme of the weekend, which is rest, regulate, and rebuild. Each of those are really important steps in the healing journey. We are honoring ourselves by resting. And so what we're going to do is we are going to record these sessions ahead of time so that we kind of get that mental energy and that mental um, exertion out ahead of time. And then we'll be available in the chat feature of Zoom to be taking your questions, interacting, adding stuff, but you can always go back and watch the videos later. So I think that's just a wise way to honor where we are right now with our health. And you then have the ability to go back and watch those videos. We are going to um, offer you the opportunity, I am gonna offer you the opportunity to come to a Zoom probably a week or so after the retreat and just process debrief, apply the things that we discussed. So that's an added feature that we wouldn't get normally. And then I am cooking up a surprise of some sort that will be so worth it. So you get all of that for 85 bucks. And we invite you to just go to heatherelizabeth.org, click on the retreat tab, and you can read more. So we know that in the healing journey, many women have never learned about nervous system regulation. And if you go back, um, a couple of episodes in this podcast, you can get like a 101 on nervous system regulation. We barely, I barely scratched the surface, but I introduce you to some resources. This is something that was very much the missing link for me in my healing journey. I have been to a couple of different counselors um, and never was introduced to this concept until I began working with Luke and Lauren of, uh, of Flourish Therapy. And this is unfortunately not a normal like part of most therapies. I am finding that so many therapists are not abuse informed and trained. They are not trauma trained and they're not nervous system trained. So my question is what in the world are you giving to people? Because what we're realizing is that when you have layers and layers of trauma, talk therapy is not enough and or it can be detrimental. When you are rehashing, rehashing, retelling, retelling, and you don't have any tools to help you apply to move forward to calm, soothe, and regulate your nervous system. So we are going to give you some amazing information. We're going to also talk about the fact that emotional abuse is physical abuse. All right, I'm going to say that again. Emotional abuse is physical abuse. Because when you are constantly being berated, insulted, harmed, when you're being gaslit, when you're being questioned, when you're being doubted, when you're being lied to, when you're being manipulated, you stay in the states of fight, flight, freeze, fawn. And that over time 
destroys your physical body because all parts of us, body, mind, and spirit are intertwined, interwoven, interconnected. And we cannot have one part of our being being hit and hit and hit without all parts of our being being affected. So we need to help survivors understand that this is why chronic illness is so common. This is why so many of us are struggling with our physical because over time, layer upon layer, trauma episode upon trauma episode, abuse after abuse after abuse has worn us down. So we know the problem is there. What are we going to do about it? So we're going to do a lot of focusing on rest, regulation, rebuilding. I myself have been on a journey for probably 20 plus years of learning what rest is, what it really means. So that's a topic that I can talk about a lot. The regulation part is something that I am just beginning to learn about and I encourage you to go back, listen to my podcast on that, follow the resources that I discussed and then all those things lead us up to actually beginning to rebuild the body, the mind and the spirit. So Space is limited. I still want this to be an intimate, not overly filled, huge uh, event. So please go to heatherelizabeth.org, grab your spot, and we will see you in September. If you can't attend on September 8th and 9th, you will still have access to those videos. You just won't have the experience of the interacting. All right, so today we are going to tackle a topic that we have been discussing inside of held and healed so if you're not part of that group yet please join us and again it is safe for people who are out of the danger if you are still with your abuser and they still have access to your your socials to your devices this is not the right time for you to be a part of this group it will put you in danger because we talk very openly about abuse and the realities of that So wait until you're in a safe space and then join us because that is the lane that I feel called to is the rebuilding after abuse. And this topic we have discussed many times inside the group and and this week I just felt like it was time to do an episode. Um, So this is for survivors to just have these light bulb moments, these aha moments, these oh that makes so much sense but also for any type of helper. So if you have someone in your life who is loving you and trying to support you and they just maybe don't get it, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to share with family, friends, coworkers, people at church. If you have heard the words that I'm about to share, the examples I'm about to share from people who are maybe well-meaning, maybe they weren't vicious, maybe they didn't mean to harm you, Maybe they thought, as many of us have, that they were saying things that were God-honoring and people-honoring and even biblical. I say that with air quotes. But here's the actual reality. When abuse is a factor in a relationship. So let me go back and remind you that there are many forms of abuse. All right, you can go back to the very beginning of this podcast, one of the early episodes, and you can learn about the 13 patterns and systems of abuse. Sarah McDougall has recently updated it to 18 forms. Let me go ahead and grab that information because I have my laptop right here in front of me and I can actually go down this list really quickly. Not gonna not gonna go through every single one right now because that would take many podcasts. But let me go ahead and just read this list to you because I think light bulbs are going to go on. 
So we're going to just define abuse before we even start this, okay? That's like a foundational thing. All right, let's see if I can do this. I'm grabbing a graphic here that has all of them listed. Okay, this, this comes from Sarah McDougall. She updated this back in October, I believe. And I'm just going to read the headers. I'm not going to read examples for each of them. But there are 18 different forms that she has come up with. There may be more, but this is just a, a place to begin. There are forms of abuse that center around our beliefs that use children. So the children become a weapon and you're harming the children to get to the mom. There's cultural abuse. There's cyber abuse. There's emotional abuse. Financial, intellectual, legal, medical, pets and property, physical, psychological, reproductive, sexual, social, spiritual, verbal, and they all center around the abuse of power and control. Okay, so if you are in our group, you can go to the albums. And I have saved this graphic that has all of these on one, as well as each one broken down into a separate graphic. So different forms of abuse include beliefs, children, culture, cyber, emotional, financial, intellectual, legal, medical, pets and property, physical abuse, psychological abuse, reproductive abuse, sexual, social, spiritual, verbal, all centering around the abuse of power and control. So when we say abuse, this is what we're talking about. We're not just talking about broken bones and bruises, okay? So much more. So when abuse is a factor, choosing neutrality is always siding with the abuser. I'm going to say it again. When abuse is a factor, choosing neutrality is always siding with the abuser. And you're like, what? No, that's not true. Indeed it is. Because when you side with the abuser, you don't have to do anything. When you choose neutrality, you're siding with the abuser, you have to do nothing. You don't have to get involved. You don't have to investigate. You don't have to change your paradigm of how you once saw this person. When you choose to take a stand against abuse with the victim, it gets messy. It gets messy. Because you are going up against evil. You're going up against a liar, a manipulator, an abuser, a wolf. And they are going to make her life and your life a lot harder. But if you just continue to go through life, keep him on your social media, say hi to him and are super sweet to him whenever you see him, cozy up to him, continue to invite him to family functions, <clears throat> Go and support his interests and do his things. You're probably not going to be a target or in the line of fire. But what you're saying to her is you don't believe her. You don't think that her suffering was enough that you want to be inconvenienced. And she is not going to feel safe as long as you have contact with her abuser and we are expanding this beyond just marriages because this happens in family systems. This happens in workplace situations. This happens in churches. So expand your, your thoughts right now to all forms of abuse. If someone has been, as a child, has been raped, molested by um, an elder in your church and you continue to let that man be a part of your life, you are sending a very, very, very clear signal and message to that victim. 
if you can't believe her and won't choose to believe her and then take steps to let her feel that you have her back, you see her, you believe her, the opposite is what's happening. She is going to feel unsafe with you. If you have any connection with her abuser, whether it's being their friend on social media or continuing to hang out in some sort of a social thing, inviting him into family functions, you are sending a very, very clear message. So I am going to scroll through social media, um, scroll through different things that I have posted in our group and expand on this concept. So Deborah Doak is a separation, divorce, life renovation coach, and we work with her with my nonprofit. She's amazing. And she had this post just a couple of days ago. And she says, what if you simply said, I understand you don't want to choose sides. Unfortunately, I can't be friends with someone who thinks my, and I'm just going to say abuser. She said exes, but who thinks my abuser's behavior is okay. So this is more something that, you know, a survivor would say to quote unquote friends and family coworkers who choose to stay in contact with their abuser. What if you simply said, I understand you don't want to choose sides. Unfortunately, I can't be friends with someone who thinks my abuser's behavior is okay. So that's from Deborah Doak. And then she says, um, she adds this in the, in the um, caption. She said, Switzerland friends. So if they're choosing to be quote unquote neutral, Switzerland friends, these can be difficult and painful to navigate in divorce. There are the folks that just love both of you. And when you hear these messages, you have a decision to make. If you're divorcing because you grew apart and it was a mutual healthy decision, then perhaps there is a way for both of you to stay connected with this person or couple. Totally different scenario. But if you're splitting up because of infidelity, addiction, abuse, and other not so benign reasons, then you may need to cut ties in order to present to preserve your own emotional health. And that's hard. If a mutual friend knows the details and can still say to your face that they think your partner is a great person, then, hmm, do you really share the same values? Divorce is a time of great reckoning, of sorting, and it's often painful to find out that the people you thought were friends were really only surface social connections. As you make plans for your new life, you get to decide who stays and who goes. And I urge you to consider what qualities someone must have in order to move with you into your new chapter. If they still think your ex is a wonderful person, maybe they don't make the grade anymore. So you begin to decide who stays and who goes in your your life because that's not a friend. And I added my thought, oh, how I wish that more people in my past understood this. Most of my close relationships that I had eight years ago no longer exist. The ones who chose not to cut contact with my abusers are not my friends. It's just that simple, y'all. If you care about somebody and you are aware that harm has been caused, you protect them by saying, I'm not going to have that person in my life, okay? All right, I'm going to scroll down here um, and see. Here's another thing that I wrote back in January 28th. Uh, I just read a post and I wanted to expand on this. If you don't get excited about your friend's success, you're not a friend. And then I said, I want to add, if they aren't relieved, (laughs) when you leave an abusive relationship, they're not a friend. If they aren't happy when you begin to heal from trauma, they are not a friend. If they aren't celebrating with you, 
If they aren't celebrating when you help others do the same, they are not your friend. Their silence speaks volumes. If they are only watching your journey so they can criticize, judge, and gossip, I wish they'd do us a favor and hit the unfriend button. So that's just my thoughts on that. Now, my dear friend, L. Renee Arders, back in July of 2022, she wrote this post and I wanted to read this because this all goes along with the same theme. And I say it again, when abuse is a factor, neutrality always supports and chooses the abuser, always. She writes, L. writes, the myth, you don't have to pick sides. You can remain neutral. You can support both an alleged victim and an alleged abuser, victim. I'm separating or divorcing because I'm wanting safety, freedom, healing, and authentic peace for the children and I. And I need your help towards this endeavor. Abuser. I'm fighting for my marriage and or the kids in custody because I'm wanting to maintain my authority and control because I am entitled to my family and I want to keep treating them however I need to in order to maintain the greater power. And I need your help towards this endeavor. The pastor friend family member says, I'm here to support you both. The victim and abuser have entirely different agendas. One is for peace and freedom. One is for power and control. I'm going to read that again. The victim and abuser have entirely different agendas. One is for peace and freedom. One is for power and control. You cannot support both people and agendas at the same time. You cannot They are not the same people. They are not the same agendas. I want to see if I can find this list. I think I saw it earlier. And I'm scrolling, scrolling, hoping that it's just going to pop up all of a sudden. But maybe it's not. And it has a list of things that people say. Oh, here we are. So this comes from an account that I follow on um, Instagram. It's It's called Don't Gaslight Me Bro. When someone claims to, quote unquote, be neutral, they're still choosing the narcissist. Remaining neutral, they'll say they're not taking sides and then take sides behind your back. Remaining neutral, they'll happily sit back and watch abuse incidents without saying a word, yet vehemently shout you down if you speak up. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute, that double standard. So they will be okay with your abuser coming at you But if you respond, if you defend yourself, then you get dogged. Again, there's no price to pay for standing with and supporting an abuser because they're strong and they're in control and they're powerful and you want to be on their good side, quote unquote, if there is such a thing. But when you start to stand up for the the victim, then you're going to get, you're going to get pummeled by the abuser. Remaining neutral, they'll dish out bad victim shaming statements when you turn to them for validation and support, such as, and these are examples. So if you have said these things, or if these things have been said to you, let's give grace again. Let's know better, let's do better, and let's not keep repeating. There are two sides to every story. Nope, not when abuse is a factor. Oh, it just sounds like a personality clash. Nope, personality is not the same as being an abuser. You're the only one who has an issue with them. I'm the only one who's been brave enough to speak up about this, but probably not. Plus, they have a public persona and a private persona. So if you don't know them behind closed doors, you don't get to speak to who they really are. Abuse is a two-way street. Nope, it's not. It's centered around power and control. And in most relationships, 
that's one person over another. Can't you at least try to get along for the sake of the family, friends, friendship group, workplace, kids, everyone else? I'm not getting involved. So I want to pull up that that quote that may or may not be attributed to Edmund Burke. We still don't know for sure who who coined this um, this quote. However. I'm going to reframe it. So here's the original. I think this is the original quote. The only thing necessary for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. Okay, here's what Heather says. The only thing necessary for evil to succeed is for people to do nothing. Because I don't believe you're a good person if you stand by and allow evil to happen in your presence. So there you go. Don't be ridiculous. That's not even abuse. Let's refer back to earlier when I mentioned there are at least 18 forms. (laughs) And people want to get stuck in this thing that says as long as it's not physical or sexual, it's not abuse. And we are so beyond that. We're not going to say that anymore. There are so many forms of abuse. It takes one to know one. Mm -mm -mm. What did you do to upset them? Nope. Never excuses. None of us are perfect human beings and that does not excuse someone abusing us. Fight your own battles. Don't you think you're being a bit childish? It takes two to tango. No, it doesn't. It does not. In a physical dance of tango, yes, indeed. But in a relationship where there is harm done, it only takes one to destroy it. It's six of one and half the dozen of the other with you two. Not true at all. And there's a couple more on the next slide. I'm going to remain neutral. Let's not play devil's. Let's play devil's advocate. Let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Can't you two sort this out on your own? Okay, this is where I'm going to interject this and remind you that when abuse is a factor, that marriage counseling or relationship counseling is unwise, unsafe, and unethical. So maybe you're new to the podcast, new to the group, and you've never heard that before. If you are in a relationship with an abuser, do not, do not, do not, do not go to counseling with them. And if your counselor is encouraging you to be in a session after you have described different forms and patterns of abuse, that person is not trauma-trained, abuse-trained. So get out. I'm not taking sides. Well, it's if it's that bad, just leave. Don't say that to a woman. Please don't say that to a woman. There's so much more involved than just leaving. The two of you have always loved pushing each other's buttons. Have you tried giving it time? Don't drag me into your petty squabbles. I don't know who or what to believe anymore. Hmm. Have you known her for a while? Is she a childhood friend? Is she your sister that you've known? Her integrity, her character all of her life. And suddenly she's telling you that she's in this relationship. Come on, people. Just because he's charming and witty and funny and can turn and twist and manipulate and gaslight does not mean that he's a good dude. Oh, I just hate all this arguing. You two shouldn't even be in the same room. Oh, it's just a storm in a teacup. Well, they've always been nice to me. Okay, and I want to I wanna talk about this one regarding um, spiritual abuse. So I had someone after sharing the harm that had been done in the church that I grew up in, she looked at me and she's like, well, that's not been my experience. They've never done that to me. And so if you continue to attend an institution that has harmed someone that you love and you call yourself their friend, but you continue to go to an institution that has done horrific things to your friend, you are sending a clear message to her. Another incident that happened um, when we, 
I want to just use an abuser. I don't want to say specifically because I'm very careful when I share things. Um, but when things came to a head in one relationship and it was time to move on, someone came, patted me on the back, knowing the history, knowing the trauma, knowing the abuse that I had endured, patted me on the back and said, well, we love you both. And I remember thinking, yeah, you're not safe. This is long before, years before I started training. I started learning about, you know, how to help people who have been abused, how to help people who have experienced trauma. But my spirit knew. I sat down um, a couple years later with a different pastor and his wife at a church that I had been attending for a shorter time. And I told just kind of the framework, the skeleton of my story and what I had endured. And I looked them in the eye and I said, if that abuser walked through the door, would they be allowed to come here? And I was told with all certainty, absolutely, the abuser and the abused are welcome here. Again, I didn't have the training. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the understanding that I do now. But my spirit sank. And I was like, that's not right. And now as I understand more of God's word and what he says, what Jesus says in the New Testament about wolves, and it describes characteristics of wolves, and it says, keep them away from sheep. Keep them away from sheep. Y'all, if you are a part of a church and wolves are allowed to mingle with the sheep, they're going to devour those precious lambs. Get out. If your leadership will not remove the wolves or if they themselves are wolves, you get out. We can't convince corrupt leaders to do the right thing. And the more of us that exit these institutions and stop propping them up and supporting them with our attendance, with our monies and with our volunteerism, the more of us that get out and take those things elsewhere, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, if enough of us do that, they will get the message. And they themselves will have to look inwardly and start to think about the way that they are leading and guiding their congregation. Maybe the congregation will just fold. And in my experience... What I have seen in my community, that's what I wish would happen. I wish that these institutions that just are propped up by wolves that are coddling wolves while pushing out the lambs who are harmed, I wish they would just shut down before they do more harm to more people. But what I can do, my my responsibility, my response is that I remove myself from those institutions. All right, I'm going to scroll down and find... So if you're not familiar with Diane Langberg, um, she's amazing. (laughs) Her book, Redeeming Power, is powerful and healing and validating. Um, She's been described by some as a modern prophet. And I will be honest, the word prophet is extremely triggering for me because I've seen that concept misused and used by abusers to have power and control, to manipulate people. God said, thus saith the Lord. But I know that there is a place for a prophet who is truly God-centered, truly humble, and truly loves people. So this is a tweet that she put out. She says, it dishonors victims when we are silent about their experience or pretend it did not occur or was not important. Talking says, I am here. 
what happened was wrong. I am damaged by it. Justice is needed. And so is care for my broken heart. So we can't be silent about these things. We can't tell them that they don't matter. We, we, we need to stop. We need to stop this. Um, Paula Goodwin says, you need to take responsibility. She's, she is coming against this quote. You need to take responsibility for your part in the abuse. No, you don't. You don't have any part in the abuse. All parts belong to the perpetrator. So the saying, the attack, the defense is, you just need to take responsibility for your part in this abuse. No, you don't. You don't have any part in that abuse. All parts belong to the perpetrator. We need to get to that place. I wrote, full stop, do not, I repeat, do not ask a victim what they did to deserve or provoke abuse. The perpetrator is responsible for the abuse, not the victim. This goes for children, adults, all victims. When abuse is part of the equation, these statements are harmful and untrue. It takes two. There are two sides to every story. It only takes one to destroy a relationship. No, no, no. And remember, neutrality is always siding with abuser. We must do better. We must. Another quote by Ellie Weasel, W-I-E-S-E-L, is we must take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. So all these voices are saying the same thing. And all of these people that really love survivors are wanting to help and not further harm. I love this verse from Proverbs 31. Okay, so you know how we've been taught to be this virtuous Proverbs 31 woman? And I think it starts like around verse 10 or 11 and it lists all these things that make women feel heavy and you gotta do this and you gotta do that and you gotta do that. Uh, Again, Sarah McDougal, I've learned a lot from her. She does this really awesome, I think is a TikTok or a reel of some sort where she basically says, this woman has choices. Not saying she has to do all these things in a day. So she really shares the freedom that comes when we look at Proverbs 31 through a different lens. But did you know that right before the whole Proverbs 31 woman passage is like put there that's this heavy weight that is put upon us women that we can barely get out of bed in the, in the morning because of the trauma and the abuse and the chronic illness and we feel like we're never going to measure up to her. Did you know That just prior in verses 8 and 9, it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9. I'm going to read that again. Because this is the heart of the Father. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. There you go. Want to do what's right? That's it. Not choosing neutrality. All right. I'm scrolling. My friend Rachel Peters has a meme that she wrote that's along the same lines. To remain neutral where abuse is present is to side with the abuser. You are either on on one side or the other, but it is impossible to be neutral in abusive situations. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all the people 
who are beginning to get this. She also, um, I also added this. Yes, yes, yes. To say there are two sides to every story in abusive relationships is to side with the abuser. To say, I want to remain neutral so I don't appear to take sides in abusive relationships is to side with the abuser. To say she's not innocent in all of this is to side with the abuser. To say what did she do to try to save the marriage is to side with the abuser. Neutrality or the appearance of it always is always to side with the abuser. And I think that's a really important part to point out is the appearance of it because most likely things are happening behind closed doors and they are probably gathering intel and yes okay I'm trying to see and then here's another really important quote that my friend Indy said people being indifferent to your suffering is harm let me say that again People being indifferent to your suffering is harm. So maybe someone doesn't have to viciously come at you, attack you, accuse you, defame you, but just by simply being indifferent, not bothered by, not phased by, not involved, not taking a stand, they are causing you further harm. When she said that to me one day, I made a meme. I made a meme out of it because it was so impactful. So I just hope, hope, hope that this is helpful to, first of all, survivors because um, I'm trying to see. I thought I had a Patrick Weaver quote here. I'm sure if you do not already follow Patrick Weaver, please follow him um, because he is a survivor of domestic violence. He grew up in a home where his mother was being horrifically abused and no one intervened and so now Patrick as a grown man as a leader as a pastor he has a very strong voice so um, if you just go to Patrick Weaver Ministries he also calls the church this quote was from September 15 2021 when abuser an abuser comes to church the church should respond as if the victim was their child daughter mother sister wife An active, unrepentant abuser should feel uncomfortable in a church building filled with Bible-believing, godly men who have been biblically trained to honor and protect God's daughters. Any church that has a spineless response to abuse and destructive behavior is biblically out of order and a predator's sanctuary. I want to hone in on that term, predator's sanctuary. Whether we are talking about pedophiles, sexual abusers, husbands who are unkind to their wives, who use power and control to manipulate them, keep finances and resources from them while they go and buy whatever they want to do. All these different forms of abuse that we talked about. Churches are places where they typically feel very comfortable coming because we have botched up the terms and concepts like grace and forgiveness and We have always made it about the victim doing something and very, very um, uncommon is it to ask anything of the perpetrator. And that, that is not right. That is not following the model of Christ. When you think about Jesus and you think about the people he spoke to harshly, 
it was people who were pretending to be one thing when they were something else. It was people who used power and control to harm the little ones. Jesus had deep compassion and understanding and grace and mercy for people who were real about who they were. And he sat with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners of all kinds. And he had space for them because they knew who they were. They weren't making pretenses. But the religious leaders who put on their public faces and they acted like the devil behind closed doors, Jesus had a lot to say. And yet most churches, at least the ones that I've been involved in, do not follow the model of Jesus in that. And I love how Patrick says it's a spineless response. We are sending women, the church is sending women Jesus says have nothing to do with these wolves and we're sending women and children back to live with them and women to sleep with them. And we're telling women, the church is telling women that that's God's plan and design. And it's not because he loves his daughters. He wants us to be safe and well. He loves his daughters who are human beings and people more than he loves an institution, which is marriage. He sees all, knows all. You don't have to prove he hears all. You don't have to prove to him that you were abused. But these quote-unquote religious leaders who have no training in trauma, no training in abuse, no training in nervous system regulation are sending women and children back to live with the wolves. Enough is enough. If you are a supposed friend or helper or family member or coworker of someone who has disclosed to you what is going on in her home and you are telling her that you don't want to take sides and you want to be neutral, you are choosing the abuser. If that is hard to hear, can you imagine how hard it is for her to live that every day? Not knowing who she can trust, not knowing who's gathering intel to take back to her abuser to use against her. So if you think it's uncomfortable to take a side and and choose to stand with a woman who has been through hell, most of them for decades. Put yourself in her shoes for a moment. Now, if you need to have boundaries to protect yourself physically, I understand that. Maybe you don't want to be a target. Maybe you do know who he really is and you believe that By putting yourself in this position, you're going to put yourself or your kids in harm's way. Just be honest with her. Say, I'm actually scared of this guy. And so for right now, maybe I need to take a couple steps backwards, but know that I have your back. Know that I love you. Know that I'm praying for you. But I'm also scared right now. And then help her find resources. Point her towards local law enforcement. Point her towards a local... lawyer who knows what they're doing and cares about her Hmm. take some money and give it to her so she can buy the necessities that she needs there are ways that you can support her um under kind of behind the scenes so that he maybe doesn't know it okay but don't use your fear as an excuse to abandon her because she still has to live it out 24-7 so maybe this is hard to hear maybe this is um No, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to apologize for being this bold. When you choose neutrality and abuse is a factor, you are always siding with the abuser. And if she has to then shut you out of her life and unfriend you on social media and stop 
doing social things with you and stop attending family functions, you've got to understand she is trying to protect herself and her children. She needs to get to a place of safety. She needs to get to a place of stability. She will then move into strengthening herself and her kiddos. But you, if you're not going to stand with her right now, she's going to feel like you're standing against her. That's just how it is. I'm sending out hugs to anyone who has walked through this hell. Maybe you are like me and there are very few people in your life that were there years ago. Maybe you're like me and you realize that so many of your relationships were superficial or social, were not reciprocal so that someone benefited from you, but you never really got anything from them. And then when you were in your time of need, you quickly realize this person doesn't have my back. This person isn't for me. This person is going over here to this social event and supporting and patting my abuser on the back and high-fiving him on social media. And now, seven, eight years later, I have a completely different set of friends. Most of them are survivors. Most of them understand. So don't despair and don't give up and don't throw your hands in the air and say, I've got no one. Because I have some amazing women in my life who have come during my healing. And they get me. A lot of them are on social media. They are long distance. But we connect at a heart level in a way that I never connected with people who live in my own community. Because we get it. We understand each other. Blessings to you if you are a helper who really wants to know better and do better. And I have some great resources. The Safer Spaces Summit. If you go to heatherelizabeth.org, you click on the Safer Spaces Summit. You have the option right now to grab that for a $50 donation or a $100 donation. If you can give $100, please do. Because it supports the work that I do. Um, if you can only do the 50, then do the 50 and grab, I think it's like 10 or 11 hours of content where we talk about all of this stuff and we educate what abuse is and how do we address it, especially within faith communities. If you are in a place right now, and I'm just going to put this out here, um, because we are at an, a, a real point of need right now, the Honor Project Movement if you go to honorprojectmovement.org, this is a nonprofit that we launched last year to bless and minister to and empower women who are rebuilding after abuse. We are in dire need of funds right now. We are going to run out in just a matter of weeks if someone does not donate. <laughs> so I'm not afraid or embarrassed or too prideful to say we need your help. Go to honorprojectmovement.org. Click on the donate tab and whatever you can give, it's a free, uh, fee-free link and it's tax deductible. We are organizing groups to help women with financial planning as they move forward and out of um, abusive situations and into safety. And we're also providing DV crisis response groups to help women who are in the throes of all that. I provide one-on-one -on -one resource coaching. We have a Mother's Day event coming up. We do a big Christmas um, blessings thing for survivors um, and their kiddos. We like to provide resources that are um, trauma-trained and trauma-abuse-trained, written by therapists. Um, there's just all kinds of things that we, we want to do for women. And the need is great, but the resources are about to dry up. So go to honorprojectmovement.org. Click on the donate tab. Give whatever you're able. If you are able to give $5, we thank you. If you're able to give $5,000, we thank you. We know that everybody's at a different place. So those are some just tangible ways that you can get involved. Go back to um, previous podcast episodes 
where I have shared words that help, words that harm, where we kind of go into more of this in detail. And here's praying that we can know better and do better. So blessings to you. And I pray that you will feel held as you are being healed.